Christmas trees, Hanukkah menorahs, and New Year's hats have been put away. Resolutions may or not have already gone by the wayside. 2023 is here. I might be a tad late, but I still think it's not too late to share some thoughts as we dive into this brand new year, 2023. So pull up a chair. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Thanks for joining me for today's solo show. I'm going to review a few trends from 2022 and also attempt to inspire you for the upcoming year. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about last year and predictions for 2023. You can email me or write me at ast at accept.com when I'm wrong uh, in the course of the year, okay? I predict that more law schools will withdraw from US news rankings. Will the, the rankings influence end with the withdrawal of these schools? I don't think so, actually. U.S. News will use publicly available data and still rank programs. Its rankings will continue to influence admissions, recruiting, and applicant decisions. But are they going to hold as much sway as they have in the past? I don't know. That's hard to say. I don't think the U.S. News is going to just stop ranking schools. I don't think applicants are going to stop looking at rankings. And I don't really think schools are going to stop being influenced by rankings perhaps a little less so in the past, but I think you're going to see really changes on the margins in that segment. Now, what about other segments of the higher education market? Again, I don't think I'm, I'm, I don't think medical schools are going to stop ranking or participating in U.S. news ranking. I also think that the uh, rankings are a little bit less influential in the med school arena than they are, let's say, in law school or business school. In business school, it'll be really interesting to see if the business schools withdraw from the rankings. Certainly the admissions directors there have no greater love of rankings than the law school admissions directors and deans for that matter. I think if you see the M7 schools, the top MBA programs withdraw, you might see a trend very similar to what you've seen in the law school market, where it's the elite programs that have, have largely withdrawn. And the lower down ones are, are not, not withdrawing yet. Okay. And there's some that have, but not, not that many. We'll link to a post that Accepted has on the withdrawal of specific schools from the U.S. news rankings and uh, which ones have have and have not or have just not announced. All right. So that was one big piece of news uh, that came really just at the end of the year in November. What about test optionality? That has been a trend that's been growing and increasing over the last several years, it really took off with COVID. And I again, I don't think you're going to see much change in the law school space this year. I think you will see it if, as anticipated, the ABA approves making tests optional for its accredited programs. I think you're going to see more experimentation in the grad and MBA market with test optionality. And you may also see throughout, well, again, med school accepted, throughout the graduate market, and undergraduate for that matter, acceptance of, of more a variety of tests. So for example, many law schools are now accepting, I was going to say many are accepting the many are accepting the GRE in addition to the to the LSAT. A few are also accepting the MBA. In the business school world, you're seeing widespread acceptance of the GRE or the GMAT 
to the extent that the test is required. You're seeing more waivers. You're also seeing greater acceptance of the executive assessment, which was originally designed for EMBA programs. And at some schools, you're seeing them saying, okay, LSAT's fine, MCAT's fine, whatever has an alphabet soup in it is fine. I think you're going to see more and more experimentation. You'll see more waiver options where there's been a lot of experimentation in, with that in the, in the B-school market. I'm not sure you're going to see wholesale test optionality at the elite programs. I think med schools will stick with the MCAT. It has some correlation to performance on the USMLE, which is obviously the test that doctors have to take at the end of medical school. And medical schools very legitimately want to know that the people they admit are going to perform in medical schools. Grad schools are all over the map outside the you know, professional uh, designations that I've just discussed. Some are going to require a, a GRE or another test. Some won't. There's, again, a lot of experimentation going on. What about application volume in light of our uh, uncertain economy? If the U.S. or when the U.S. or the world goes into a recession, unemployment typically increases. So far, it's still pretty low in the United States. And application volume and competition for graduate school seats also increases. So if the job market remains tight, application volume will probably remain low for certainly for the remainder of, of this cycle, which was the 2022-2023 cycle, and maybe even into 2023-2024. I don't, I don't think so, though. I think it's going to increase. And I think, I think unemployment will increase. And I think, therefore, application volume will increase. And this will be for all graduate categories. Business school, law school, med school, across the board, whatever you name it, you know, when the economy is in the tank, it's a great time to, to go to graduate school, whatever your profession is, it seems to be. So I do think, I don't know that the, the schools will hit the kind of application volume highs that they hit at the beginning of COVID, on the, you know, the COVID lockdowns, but I think you are going to see if a recession does hit or when it does hit, that application volume will increase. My suspicion is that you're going to see this either with late rounds at business schools or, you know, more likely the next application cycle across the board. So what do you take from all this? Whether law schools are in or out of rankings is something that gets headlines, but frankly, it really shouldn't affect you that much. You should be making your own rankings. I've said that before. I'll say it again. U.S. News is a great source of data, a great place in which you can compare law schools on specific metrics, but that shouldn't really be the sole determinant of where you apply, whether you're applying to law school, business school, med school, whatever program it is, you should be doing your own ranking. Test choice and test optionality is definitely good for applicants, um, and it could change your application process, give you a bit more control than you would have if one test was definitely required by the schools you're, you're applying to, as is the case currently for law school and definitely for medical school. But even to law school, it won't come at the earliest until 2025. And frankly, if your grades don't show academic ability or don't show, don't reflect what you feel is your academic ability, then you will probably need to take a test. Uh, take the one that shows you at your best, but take it because schools want to know that they're admitting people who can do the work. And finally, the anticipated increase in application volume will affect your chances of acceptance. Again, there are so many seats in a specific school, they get more applications, competition becomes more intense. And that could influence your school choice as well as where you get in. But again, that is something you don't have a lot of control over. So that's kind of 
the review of 2022 and some of the major changes or influences that I see on applicants from last year. Another purpose of, of this solo episode is I'd like to give you a little perspective, or at least I'd like to share my perspective on this whole process. I've been an admissions consultant since 1994. I've seen great applicants come through, mediocre camp applicants come through, and sometimes some not so good applicants, but most applicants that I've dealt with are really, really wonderful, talented people. I responded to a post on Student Doctor Network, which is a forum for medical school applicants in September. And this post really, really bothered me. I'm going to share the post with you. I'm going to go through what I feel is wrong with this post and then uh, wrap things up. So the Student Doctor Network, also known as SDN, this, this fellow wrote, two pre-interview invitation rejections and no interview invites sick of seeing so many people I know are mediocre and disingenuous, get consideration with record speed. Feels like no matter what I do, it's never good enough. I'm considering just pursuing a doctorate in science and leaving this shell game alone. Well, obviously the fellow was frustrated. For those of you who are not familiar with the medical school application process, interview invitations are typically sent out between September and February. We can start a little earlier, but September is pretty typical. And this was posted towards the end of September. I responded to this fellow with some sympathy, but I also wrote, for your information, whether you get an interview invitation in September or January, as long as that interview invitation ends up with an acceptance, it doesn't matter when the interview invitation comes. And whether you apply once or more than once, as long as you get in, you will still spend the vast majority of your working life as a physician. So whether you go for a PhD or become a, a physician depends not on whether others get interview invitations or acceptances, but it, on how badly you want to be a physician versus the PhD in science. They can provide very different careers and lifestyles. It also can be fairly difficult and competitive to get into PhD programs. Finally, the people you feel are mediocre and disingenuous may have something going for them in terms of their achievements and insight into their experiences that you are unaware of. It happens all the time. They also may have presented their qualifications and fit more effectively via their application. So I ended my post with don't automatically blame the system and fail to take responsibility. Doing so will prevent you from improving what needs to be improved, whether you need to apply to med school or decide to pursue a different path. Now, why has this post from someone I never met stuck with me and bothered me so much? Because I actually marked it as the post that I wanted to focus on in this episode, like a few weeks after it was posted, because it really did bother me and it really stuck with me. And it reflects an attitude that I, I feel is very disempowering and, and just unhealthy. I firmly believe that graduate school is a means to an end. And anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that's what I think. First, you determine what you most want to do and the education needed to achieve that goal then you figure out if your goal is worth the effort and resources required to attain it and go for it. But realize that the application process and the study or the program of study you're trying to get into are means to an end. They are not an end in themselves. So whether you go for plan A or plan B, and whether that's becoming a business person, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever it is, or a PhD in science, it should not depend on whether someone you feel is worthy or not is invited to interview. That should be really irrelevant to your decision-making process. 
It should not depend on whether you get an invitation to interview at the beginning or end of the evaluation process. It should not depend on whether you agree with the admissions committee's decisions vis-a-vis others or not. It should depend on your goal, and that should be your starting place and your guiding North Star throughout this process. Furthermore, this fellow was comparing himself to other individual applicants that he knew. Please, please, please don't do that. Just stop it. Don't do it. It's a big mistake. You may not see something in the other applicant that makes them highly qualified for their goal, or perhaps they want to go into an area of your field for which they are well-suited and you are poorly suited and vice versa. Your information could easily be incomplete. Alternatively, you'd be completely correct about their fitness for their goal. However, they did a better job than you did of presenting themselves in the application. And let's also face it, this is not a perfect system. There are times when somebody less deserving might be admitted than somebody who is more deserving. That's just reality. That's life. By blaming, quote unquote, the system and the unfairness of it all, you relieve yourself of all responsibility, as well as any agency and ability to improve and change the outcome. And that was the most troubling part of the post to me. This individual had obviously done a lot of work. I think he was a reapplicant. But when you talk about the system, in other words, vague circumstances beyond your control that are definitely out there, everybody deals with it. You can't do anything about them. You can't change. What you need to do as an applicant, whether first time or reapplicant, not getting invitations, interview invitations, whatever it is, what you need to do is focus on what you can change, influence, and control to achieve your goals. By that, if you're a current applicant, I mean, number one, assuming rejection until you're admitted and preparing for a reapplication so that you're constantly improving your qualifications. And at the same time, and they are not mutually exclusive, one will assist the other. Do everything you can to get admitted this cycle. So can you improve your qualifications at this point, even if you're applying now, or if, you, if you're beyond the point where you can improve your qualifications for this current cycle, in other words, 2022, 23, prepare for a reapplication. Can you improve the presentation of your qualifications if you do need to reapply? Because a successful application requires good qualifications, competitive qualifications, and a successful presentation of those qualifications. And did you aim too high? Should you change your target schools? Finally, you do have to ask the question, and that is, do you still want the goal you originally set for yourself so much that you were willing to take the steps necessary to achieve it from this point in time going forward? Not what happened six months ago or a year ago, but at this point in time. And another thought, and again, this, this I've, I'm going to be repeating myself here a little bit, but when or whether people you feel are worthy or unworthy receive interview invitations or acceptances, that's something you have zero control over. Focus on what you can influence, focus on what you can control, and that's your qualifications and your presentation of those qualifications as well as where you apply. And that's my message to you as you dive into 2023. Empower yourself by focusing on what you can influence change, and most importantly, improve. Now, one of the things that you can definitely influence and control, you can control this completely, is when you start the process. 
Yes, folks, it's that time. If you plan to apply in summer or fall 2023 and have not started, start today. Start now. Move forward. If you know, begin your test prep if it's required for your particular course of study. Begin school research or advanced school research. Take notes that you'll be able to refer to. Consider journaling about your own experiences so that you will have material for essays and interviews. Most importantly, assess which of your qualifications need improvement and start working on them. And engage with an accepted consultant as soon as possible to map out your plan and application timeline. Yes, we will work with you later in the application cycle. Of course we will, assuming we have availability. But you will get so much more out of the collaboration, the assistance, the guidance, if you engage with us early. I mean, like now for 2023. You have no idea how starting early can improve your qualifications, your applications, and of course, the outcome. So to engage with an expert accepted consultant, go to accepted.com, www.accepted.com. I'm hoping that Mission Straight Talks listeners enjoy a 2023 filled with acceptances. This is Linda Abraham from Accepted, and I'll talk to you again next week.